Welcome to this week's episode of the Ithacan's podcast, How I See Sports. I'm Samantha Cavalli, the assistant sports editor of the Ithacan. I'm Nick Friend. And today from ICTV's Hold That Thought, Jesse Chen is here to join in our discussion of the NFL, college football, World Series, NBA, and NHL. Also on the show, Ithaca College senior Ithacan sports writer Matt Hornick is here to join in on, on our discussion. Before we bring in Jesse and Matt, let's move on to the How I See Sports recap and preview of the week. The men's soccer team defeated the Sage Colleges 4-1 at Carpwood Field October 18th, with goals scored by Max Barish, Nate Mansfield, Luke Karen, and Nate Schoen. The Bombers were then defeated by RPI in overtime October 21st, losing 2-1. The field hockey team continues their six-game losing streak with losses against Vassar College and RPI. The Blue and Gold lost to the Brewers on October 20th, 1-0 in Poughkeepsie, New York, while on October 22nd, the team lost to the Engineers 2-1 in overtime. The women's soccer team won its third consecutive game against RPI October 21st. Shoshana Bedrosen had two goals on the day, while Alex Epifani scored one goal against the Engineers. The volleyball team clinched a spot in the Liberty League Conference playoffs after three shutout wins against RIT, Skidmore College, and Union College. After coming off a hard loss to RPI, the football team dominated at home against St. John Fisher College October 21st, defeating the Cardinals 35-10. Waheed Nabi threw 21-24, for had 216 yards, and threw two touchdowns. Isaiah DeHaiti ran for 73 yards and had three touchdowns of his own. With 10 teams in action this weekend, it marks one of the busiest sports weekends of the year here at Ithaca. Things get started on Friday when the volleyball team partakes in the Eastern Tri-Match Tournament with three games in two days, including a matchup against a top 10 ranked team in Cardigan Melanie. The Bombers look to improve on their Liberty League best record of 18-6. and six. The men's and women's cross-country teams both partake in the Liberty League Championships this weekend that is hosted by Vassar College on Saturday. Looking to get off a six-game snide, the field hockey team will host Brockport on Saturday. And continuing the busy day on Saturday, the women's and men's soccer teams will both play at Vassar College. The men will look to seal their spot in the Liberty League playoffs. And finally, and finally the Ithaca football team travels to face the 3-4 and four Utica Pioneers as the Bombers look to improve their record to 5-3. and three. And now we're going to bring into the conversation a very familiar voice to the Ithacan podcast. Coming back from week one, we have senior writer Matt Hornick. Matt, thanks for coming back. Yeah, no problem. How are we doing? We're doing good. You it's should great. feel very honored. You're the first return guest. Yeah. I mean, should it be any other way? <laughs> That's a very good point. Okay. So we're going to be asking Matt a couple questions about the IC football team and how they're going as Matt is the beat writer for the uh, football team here at Ithaca. So right now, the playoff situation for the Bombers so the Bombers are 3-1 and one in the Liberty League, and they'll be taking on uh, Union next Saturday, two Saturdays from now. So what is right now the playoff situation for them in well, general? Just well, like- it's a little shaky right now because Union's still undefeated in the conference, and the Bombers' loss to RPI really sort of shook things up for them because now they need RPI to lose to Union, which is the, sa- which is the final week of the season, and they need to beat Union the Bombers do the week before that in order to uh, be able to qualify for a playoff spot. Mm-hmm. Or I would rather lead them to win the conference, to which uh, they would have a not. The Liberty League this year has an automatic playoff berth, so they would go to the NCAA tournament. So if they lose to Union. Season's over. Season's over. I mean, there's no. They could still probably. There's a chance they could get second in the Liberty League, which would lead to the new, I forget the name offhand, but it's basically like the New York Bowl where the second place team in the Empire 8 
and the second place team in the Liberty League play each other, which in hypothetically speaking could lead to a second Cortica two straight weeks. But that's looking unlikely if they were to lose to Union. And Union is 7-1. and one. They haven't lost since their first game of the season. Do you think Ithaca has a chance of that upset? I don't know what Union really is because their schedule is a little odd. They haven't really played a lot of good teams. And two years ago, they went 0-10. So this is a compl- this is a program that has had a seemingly quick rebuild, which I'm weary to believe is real until they play more uh, good teams on their schedule. So I struggle to actually understand what this t- that team is because I have never seen them play. And so going forward, I think that could be a very interesting game for the Bombers. So this year, Ithaca's had a freshman quarterback lead, Wahid Nabi, who's had an unbelievable season so far coming in early on in the season. What has, in your eyes, what has Wahid done for the team, like, leading them to where I mean, he just just throws a nice ball. Like, there's no other way to put it. Like, he knows how to throw the ball to his receivers. He's a little inaccurate, but he's, again, he's a freshman. There's a lot of freshman mistakes that you're seeing from him. Just the way he gets the ball to his receivers when they have space, even when they don't have space, because you have playmakers like Will Gladney on the outside. He's just been able to get the ball to his receivers in a way that Ithaca has been lacking a, uh, a quarterback who can do that for the past couple of years. He's, it's obviously rare to have a freshman starting quarterback. How has he done in terms of leadership from what you've seen? Very well. I mean, the, the guy is incredibly confident for someone in his situation. It's been remarkable to me just how even-keeled he's been throughout everything he's gone through so far. So the offense is getting a lot of attention, and understandably so, with having a freshman quarterback. But the defense has given up 14 points or less in three out of their last five games. Who stood out to you on that side of the ball? I mean, that whole defense has just been a well-oiled machine as long as I've been at the school. But, I mean, you can't overlook just the play of the linebackers and uh, Dan Loizos and Kenny Bradley. They've anchored that defense for three years now. Loizos is a guy who can have 20 tackles in any given game. Kenny's just a, a phenomenal run stopper. and The two of them together just really hold that Bombers defense down. And then since you've seen them, you've seen them now from the Empire 8 and now in the Liberty League, what has been the biggest difference, you think, competition-wise? And it's a little early to tell, being that they've only had one year. It's, just, it's interesting because the Liberty League is such a small conference that every conference game is so important. It's the part that I found most interesting. It'll be even more interesting next year as Buffalo State is added to the conference in a seventh team, which I believe makes them officially big enough to have an automatic qualifying bid to the tournament every year. Going forward, it's just interesting with teams like uh, Hobart, who's always so good, and RPI, who's having an odd season but normally good, and if Union is, is the real deal going forward, this could be a very interesting conference for the Bombers to be in. All right, so now we're going to bring into the conversation Jesse, Jesse Chen from ICTV's Hold That Thought. Jesse, thanks so much for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm happy to be here, especially with Hornick. <laughs> All right. Love to hear that, Jesse. <laughs> All right, so now we're going to be uh, – Coming into some national topics has been going on in the past week in sports. So we're going to start with the NFL. Right? So Cam Newton, quarterback of the Carolina Panthers, was drafted in 2011 by Auburn and actually in 2015 took the Panthers to a 15-1 season, led them to the Super Bowl. They lost in the Super Bowl, as we all know. And in 2016, they went 6-10. Right now, in this season, they are 4-3. Should the Panthers, at this point in time, move on from Cam Newton? Nick, I'm going to start with you. Yes, they should. They need to now. If this isn't a wake-up call at this point for the Carolina Panthers, I don't know what is. You just lost to a Chicago Bears team where Mitchell Trubisky threw seven passes. Seven! And you lost to them and you only scored three points with this franchise quarterback that is Cam Newton. He's 28. He's in his seventh year. He is who he is. 
all of a sudden he's not going to go back to MVP Cam Newton. Stop wishing and hoping he would go back to this one good year that he has. Because right now, he has one less interception than Deshaun Kaiser, who's going to be out of the league in a couple years. Cam Newton should also be out of the league in a couple years, but because of that one season, people are living off hope instead of reality. So I get that the Carolina Panthers aren't going to move on from Cam Newton, because by the way, that's a hard sell for a fan base. Hey, we're going to move on from our franchise quarterback and start over. But it's what they should do. It's the right move. Look, I was born in Auburn, Alabama, so I guess I guess I have a little bias because how much I love Cam Newton. But, like, are you kidding me? The guy has one bad season, and, like, you're suddenly writing him off? Drew Brees went 7-9 and nine for, like, three years in a row. You're going to write him off as a, suddenly a terrible quarterback? Cam Newton is probably – he set numerous records. He's still setting records. He, everyone has their bad games. The Chicago Bears defense, I believe, is pretty underrated, actually. What, re- what records is he setting right now other than the most interceptions in his, in his career? What? What, what do you mean? What kind of record? He said he set the like most touchdowns in a game. He set like he's setting rookie touchdown records right now. If you're trying to put this on Cam Newton entirely, you're out of your mind. I'm this not, guy is. When did I ever say it was on Cam Newton entirely? Well, the fact if you're, you're trying, trying to scrap him, him then it's you're putting him. it on him. What has happened with the Chicago Bears and Jay Cutler when he was there? He had one good season. He led them to the NFC Championship game, and they never got back, and they lived off hope but of J- what could have been. Jay Cutler, the same thing is going to happen with the Carolina Jay Panthers. Jay Cutler is not the same quarterback as Cam Newton. No, you're right, because Cam Newton is having a worse season than Jay Cutler ever has currently. But Cam Newton is a... is If you could go into a lab and put all the tools together of you want in your dream quarterback, you Cam might Newton as well would... just grab Cam no, Newton. No, he's immature. He runs way too much, which has proven not to work unless your name's Russell Wilson. What do you mean he runs too much? The dude's thrown for like over 3,000 yards for most of his career right now. This is... The, it, the problem with, with the Panthers is not even close to Cam Newton. If anything, you have to be calling for Ron Rivera's job, which I will I right now. The, Cam Newton has never played under an offensive coach who can fully understand how to use him in a If he's strong, so good, then how come he can't throw for more touchdowns and interceptions? I, he's not the one calling the plays. and No, not, he's the one throwing the interceptions. And I, you know, but you're, you're telling me, just because based off this season, right? Based off these last two seasons. And the season before his MVP season and the season before that. He brought his team to a Super Bowl. Is my, my whole point of this right now. He brought his team to a Super Bowl. A lot of he's quarterbacks have done that. And a lot of quarterbacks, hang on, one thing at a time. He's brought his team to a Super Bowl. Yeah, he's not having the same season as what he used to, but he, he is not the problem of their team. I agree 100% with what Hornick said. I will call for Ron Rivera's job before I ever call for Cam Newton's job. And you look at this from our side. Let's forget what we think about Cam Newton with his stats for a second. If you think that suddenly it's time to scrap the like the what where he was drafted and the seasons he's had and the fact that he did bring his team to a super, uh, team to a Super Bowl, I don't care who you are, you have to have some incentive as the Carolina Panthers to keep him on your team no matter what. We're going to wrap this up a little bit. This <laughs> All right, we're going to start what a way to start it off. After week 7, compared to last year, the NFL's ratings were down 7%. Issues that have been brought up include having too many games during different days, the national anthem actions, as well as others. Matt, I'll start with you. What do you think the biggest reason is for the NFL's ratings drop? It's probably the anthem. I mean, even on my Facebook, and I'm surrounded by generally a very liberal crowd, I've seen a lot of people who take this anthem stuff like very seriously and think it's a, a, a true offense to our country. And there, I go from what I've seen. I really think the anthem protests are having an effect. But and that's another. That's a big problem for other reasons. But I think it's the anthem. 
Yeah, I think it's the, I mean, it's it's the most, like, the sore thumb is the anthem. I guess, like, there has been always complaints about Thursday Night Football and how it really shouldn't be a thing, but that's mainly from the players. So I would say, like, ratings, it's definitely the anthem. Yeah, I definitely agree. It's, it's the anthem. A lot of people are very, very liberal about what is going on right now and everything that's happening in the NFL and everything that's happening in D.C. with President Trump and, uh, and the vice president and when he was at, and when he was He's supposedly at, the Colts, at the, Col- the Colts game. And it's just a whole debacle. It's just been absolutely insane. And it definitely has been the anthem. You have people that are watching these games and then they see athletes kneeling and they turn the TV off. Like they don't because they're burning their gear. Too. They're burning their gear. They're burning all. The, you know they're 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 going to insane actions because of people who are kneeling for the national anthem. Granted, I my personal opinion, I would rather them stand. But if they would like to kneel, then that is it. Then that's them. You know, that's, that's, you know that's interesting, actually. Yes. Of all the people that convinced me, I was at first pretty ticked off about the Kaepernick thing and everything like mm-hmm. that. But of all the people to convince me, it was my friend of veterans. Um, I'm friends with they're my former teachers of mine. Um, I have one that served in the Air Force for over 20 years. Mm-hmm. And um, I sat down and talked to them about it, and they were actually the ones that convinced me otherwise to just let it go. So yeah. it's like, I found that kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. The problem is not the national anthem. It never was, it never will be. People need to get over this. They need to stop at looking at social media, which gives the significant minority a majority voice. That's what social media does. We also need to stop calling this the anthem protests. They're not protesting the national anthem. They're protesting pol- police brutality. They're protesting systemic racism that has gone in this country for hundreds of years. When people ask any, you go on any news site, CNN, Fox News, whatever you want to talk about, they ask their guests, what do you think of the national anthem yeah. protests? That four-word question could not be more factually wrong if they wanted it to. The bottom line is let's look at the facts because personally, I, the facts are pretty clear. The NFL is down 7%. The NBA is down 6%. Major League Baseball is down 6%. This isn't an NFL thing. We don't rely on sports for escapism as much as we used to. The ratings are down across all sports pretty much within a percent of each other. Why? Because people aren't going to watch the Cleveland Browns take on the New York Jets anymore. We have so many other things we can do in our lives. And if people believe that the NFL ratings, which are down the same as NBA, which are down the same as MLB, are not watching because of the national anthem, I would love to know the facts. And now people, specifically Jerry Jones, are trying to stop them from doing this because they think the ratings are being affected by it, which also isn't a fact. The NFL solution to players protesting against oppression, which has been going on since 1619 at least, when the first on-record account of slavery happened, is to use something that happened in 1690, which is called censorship which the government did to the first newspaper in 1690. Let's call this what it is. Let's be honest. What is the NFL ownership group? 31 white old men. That's a fact that's not an opinion. This is a bunch of old white men feeling uncomfortable about a flag that symbolizes for white America something of comfort. We have to realize for other groups in this country, it's not the same thing. All right. So we'll move on to our third topic. We're going to move on from the NFL to college football. So right now in the top 10, three of those top 10 teams are from the Big Ten. you got Penn State, who's ranked second, Wisconsin, who's ranked fifth, Ohio State is ranked sixth. So this week, Ohio State plays Penn State. 
actually at Ohio State, Wisconsin plays Illinois. The question that I'm going to throw out to everybody is, who is the best in the Big Ten out of those three teams I just mentioned? Who is going to come out on top from the Big Ten? And I'm going to start with Jesse on this one. Um, I'm a huge uh, – I'm not a Penn State fan. I told you I was born in Auburn, Alabama. I'm a big Tigers fan, War Eagles, whatever. But um, I have some friends actually on the Penn State team, and um, I, I, it's hard not to get hyped up about this team and where they've come from, you know, all the sanctions placed against them, and, you know, how – I truly believe they're one of the they're the best team in college football right now. Or actually, I think Alabama is the best team in college football right now. But I do think in the Big Ten, I think the Penn State is the best update. They got so many weapons all around, um, from the passing game into uh, you cannot ignore Saquon Barkley. He's probably the best player I've watched in college football. And Trace McSorley is having a um, when you shut when you try to shut down Saquon Barkley, you try stacking the box. Trace McSorley goes off. They have a great defense. I think their one weakness is their offensive line, but I, I, it's hard not to get hyped up for them. I really like them this year. Yeah, I completely agree. I've said from day one, the first time we had this podcast, I, everyone asked <laughs> who was going to be the – I said Penn State. Penn State from day one, they got – personally, my opinion, they got screwed last year in the national rankings. Yeah. Even after defeating Wisconsin in the Big Ten Championship. Sorry, Nick. They did win. But, um, and they got screwed over, and somehow Ohio State was ranked above them when they beat them. That probably is a different conversation of how college football, whoever's in charge of the NCAA, puts that ranking out. But I totally think Penn State got screwed over last year, and this year they're becoming a much better team. They're becoming a much better franchise that is going to lead to possibly, I would hope, winning the championship game and they're proving and making themselves known from past years of what has been happening over there with the whole Sandusky thing and making a name for themselves now after all that has passed. Oh, Penn State's the best team in the Big Ten. It's not even a question. They have the best player in college football in Saquon Barkley. That guy's a monster. Trace McSorley is the most underrated quarterback in college football. And Ohio State's the most overrated team in college football, so it's definitely not Ohio State. I'm just yeah. going to be honest with you. Yeah. JT Barrett's having a, a very off year. They haven't played anybody. Their only big game they've played this year, they lost to Oklahoma. Boomer Sooner, my boys right there. And then, uh, <laughs> I'm, you, you know, Jesse, you know I, I love I was a part my of that Sooner. debate. You know how much I love my, my Sooners. Choklahoma. By the way, I was right on that. In the first podcast, What'd you I say? called it. I said that Oklahoma was eventually going to lose if Baker Mayfield and his immaturity was eventually going to cost them. They didn't them. lose because of his maturity. They lost just because they played – their defense is terrible. Okay, anyway, back to the question. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, that's a whole – you don't want to do it go there with I would, right now. I, would I went like, there. <laughs> I would like it to be Wisconsin because I was born in Wisconsin. I'm a Wisconsin Badgers fan. But if I take off my red and white pom-poms, it's not Wisconsin. It's not Penn State either. Apparently just today's my day to disagree with everybody. Damn. Penn State is overrated and is going to lose to Ohio State this weekend. This weekend pretty much decides – who wins the Big Ten, or at least has a huge, huge impact on it. Shaquan Barkley, love him. How can you not? The team around him, I still have major questions about because, Matt, you brought up who has Ohio State played. Who has Penn State played? Both of these teams have played one or two good teams and then cupcakes the rest of the way. So, yeah, Penn State defense, they're great is what everybody's saying. They've played Northwestern, Western, Iowa, Georgia State, Indiana. Penn State against the run, their front seven's so good. Ohio State statistically is better, and in fact, they've faced better running backs. Ohio State now, after that loss to Oklahoma, 
has built up confidence. Sure, they've gone against cupcakes, but they've beat those cupcakes in large fashion. And JT Barrett has built confidence, which is for a young quarterback, is insanely important. Ohio State, again, will beat Penn State this weekend because they're the third best team in college football behind Alabama and Clemson. Penn State's fourth. It's going to be close. They're close. Like, it's between Penn State and Ohio State, and it's not even close. Wisconsin's not there. But I think pretty clearly it's Ohio State because coming into the season, by the way, let's remind ourselves, they were widely considered the second-best team in college football. Because they lost one game, that doesn't go anywhere. But they were ranked that purely on reputation and the fact that they have JT Barrett as their quarterback. JT Barrett is vastly underperforming compared to previous years. I just don't like him. He's just so inc- I can't trust him as a quarterback. I trust Trace McSorley. I, I trust Trace McSorley. I love Trace McSorley. That guy is proven in the eye in his game against Iowa that he can make the big play when it counts. And who on this Ohio State defense, Nick, is going to stop Saquon Barkley? This guy is the most athletic running back I've ever seen play football. The Some of the best moves I've ever seen like outside of Barry Sanders. This they have guy- a better, running, better run defense than Penn State. Which everybody hypes up. They okay. hype up Penn State's so they, run defense. So they have a good run defense. So what good run, So does Michigan, apparently. They couldn't stop Barkley. I there, complete, and that, and that is going to be the key in the game. That is going to be the key in the game. But Barkley can't win, in, win it himself. Oh, I think he can. I think he can, actually. No, he can't. Here's the thing. and I, um, I actually broke down this Northwestern game. It was actually on an episode of Hold That Thought, I believe. They Northwestern, I, that's not a great school. I get it. But like, they game plan purely for Barkley. And Barkley still ended up in the end zone twice. Well, yeah, they because stacked all, they stacked all the boxes. And then Trace McSorley took full advantage of that. So if you want a game plan for Barkley, you're going to leave Trace McSorley, who I agree with Horn. I love McSorley. And watching him play this year is great. Do I think he's an NFL quarterback? No, that's another topic. But you can't you, – there are just too many weapons on this offense right now. You have to focus on shutting down Barkley if you're Ohio State, no doubt, I think. Well, for right? – my thing is, we're giving Barkley credit for performing against bad teams, so why aren't we doing the same for JT Barrett, who absolutely lit up Nebraska and had one of the best games any college quarterback has had this year? So if we're going to give Barkley credit for beating up on bad teams, why don't we do the same for Barrett? I don't know. <laughs> okay, so there's my point. I think, Ohio, I think both of these teams have beat up on bad teams overall. Ohio State had one bad loss, and people are way, way too down on them. And let's not underestimate, Ohio State being at home is a huge advantage in this game. Huge. Because the Penn State home field advantage is massive and real. So is Ohio State's. The last time uh, Ohio State played a good team at home, what happened? Baker Mayfield stabbed a Oklahoma flag in the middle Fair of that Fair point, field. but I think they're a different team since then. And I don't even think it's close. Their offense is better. What makes you think they're because a they're team? playing worse teams? Yeah, so is Penn State. So what's yeah, but, this double standard? Well, 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 no, 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 no. Let's go back to that for a second because we're not saying we're not talking about Penn State here. Hornick just made a point that the last time they played a good team at home was against Oklahoma, and now we're saying and you saying their offense has improved since then. Forget forget Penn State for a second. You said their offense has improved. Hornick just said that they're playing bad teams, and now you're trying to bring this back to, to about Penn State. No, we're saying. We don't think their offense has improved because they've played these bad teams. And that's complete. Okay, that's fine. You can think that. But then how that's can we true. give. It could be. And it is true. Ne- Nebraska, I'm Maryland. Hard, I'm, not, I'm not saying Penn State had a hard record, right? A hard schedule at okay, all but right how, now. Then how can we give Barkley credit for performing against them? Because Barkley's done it for two years now. And Ohio it, State has been consistently one of the best teams in college football for years. Yeah, but they choked last year against Penn State. Where's Penn State now? They won the Big Ten. Ohio State didn't. 
Penn State got screwed over last year. They didn't get screwed over. Yeah, they shouldn't they, have been in the college playoffs. Um, no, they totally should have been in the college playoffs. They deserve it, and they're going to deserve it this year. Ohio, they're going to beat Ohio State. They're going to upset Ohio State. Guaranteed. The stats just don't say that. ESPN says Ohio State has a 75% chance to win this game. Those predictions, by the way, are overall very accurate. For two top 10 teams, two top six teams specifically, to be facing each other and have one team favored by 76 percentage points is insane. 76 to 24 is the odds that Ohio State wins that game. Look, um, regardless of it, I think it's going to be a fantastic game. I, I, uh, probably I, the I, best I'm game actually, in college yeah, football Yeah, I, I completely agree. And I, I, I like your point about how you think the winner, the, the winner of this game ultimately determines the winner of the Big Ten. It's going to be a great game. We all have our differences on it, clearly. Um, I, I think Penn State, no matter what, is going to be considered is still an amazing team, and I'm super excited to see what the rest and what they can do for the rest of this season. Too that win over Michigan was certainly exciting. Uh, I actually used to live in Columbus, Ohio, as well. Moved from Auburn to Columbus, the two big college football cities. So I'm not saying I have Buckeye blood inside me, but I do have a bit of a. I don't like Michigan that much, so it was really nice to see. But I. Again, like, I think we put all the chips on the table. We kind of stated all of our facts that, you know, why we think each team is better. I just think Ohio State's going to have a hard time shutting down one of the best players in college football at the moment. However, if they can accomplish that, if they can accomplish that, I think you have a point when you say that um, Penn, Ohio State does have a good run defense. And if they can shut down Saquon Barkley, I do think Penn State will struggle more. Now, I do believe Trace McSorley can overcome those struggles. But... At the end of the day, um, it's just going to be a great matchup, and I'm like, so excited to watch this game. Mm-hmm. I haven't watched college football in a long time. I do watch a lot of Penn State, but this is going to be something. This is going to be a game I'm definitely going to tune into. I think I said on hold. I thought last night, Jesse, uh, Penn State 35, Ohio State 14. Oh, that was. A- so <laughs> we're just going to leave that there. And 21 points. That's correct. I could do math. That's a fact. What 21 points? This is going to be a close game, no matter what. This is going to be a, like. <laughs> For you to say that is like full like Penn State bias some way. I wonder what correlation you have with I Penn State. I rooted for Ohio State for the first 15 years of my life. Well, then maybe it's like the opposite reaction happening. I don't know. That's th- n- Neither team is going to win this by more than 10 points. It's going to be a close game. So I mean, it, de- it, it depends. I could definitely see one of them just completely just not doing well and, you know, they just don't – one team doesn't do well and then the other team obviously – it does really good to win, That obviously. Um, I totally see what – I would love Ohio State to, you know, just to be terrible and just have a terrible game and have Penn State win. But I definitely think that it could go either way. It can be really good for one team or it could just – or it can be a super, super close game and have it end like how last year ended with when Ohio State played Penn State. It's going to be a crushing loss for whoever comes out of that game with the, with the L because, like – you know, just the hype around this game. I think whoever loses, just it's just that's a crushing loss. No matter who you are, no matter what the score is, like that's just demoralizing. All right, so we're gonna take a break from uh, football and we're gonna move into some baseball. Currently, right now, the World Series Game One is being played out in LA. With the Houston Astros are heading out to play the Los Angeles Dodgers, and the Dodgers are um, hosting Game One. So let's hear everyone's World Series predictions. What's ever What's everyone thinking? Hornick, we'll start with you. Uh, Dodgers in seven. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm in love with this Dodgers team. Clayton Kershaw's finally pitching well in the postseason. It's a phenomenal to see. Uh, Justin Turner might be my new favorite baseball player, <laughs> and just general top to bottom that team, that bullpen especially, which is 
I believe their ERA is like .56 in the postseason right now. It's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. I don't know how much I can debate with you, Hornick, because my bi- the bi- I can admit I'm biased here, right? Wearing a Houston Astros hat. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, hold that thought. I talk about how much of a Houston fan anyways, but I got, but like, I, as much as I... As I want to say the Astros, and I, I should say the Astros, and how like I'm gonna, I'm probably gonna be. I don't know. I really don't know, but I just have a gut. I don't know if Houston still got it against the Dodgers. I mean, um, I love the Astros. They got a great lineup. Altuve is amazing. You know how much I love Altuve. I love Correa. I love all of them. Um, just watching them play against the Yankees and just uh, have those close games and struggle. It just. I lost a little confidence in them, and I, I think they're still a great team. I think Verlander was probably one of the greatest trades for the Astros, um, but I don't know. I just I lost a little bit of confidence. I can see it going either way, but I can see it totally. Uh, I can see the Dodgers definitely taking it in seven. So, was there a prediction in there? What? Uh, so you're saying yeah, Dodgers in seven? Okay. Think, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm saying Astros in seven. I think, first and foremost, we're going to look back on this to say Springer, Correa, and Altuve all on the same team. Five years from now, they're not going to be on the same team. And we're going to look back and say they were on the same team because that's how good those three guys are. Usually, pitching beats bats, historically in the postseason, specifically the World Series. I have faith in those three guys. Call me crazy, I do. The X factor in this series is going to be Houston and their bullpen. If their bullpen can step up— I agree. Then they win this series. If they don't, then they lose. That sounds oversimplified because it is, but that is one of the main factors. I think they pull it off. And also, I'll fully admit, I can't trust L.A. to win anything So <laughs> other than the Lakers. So I think that Houston Astros are going to win this in seven. I completely agree, Nick. Like, really, you yeah. have to wonder, like, who who are you going to – who are the Astros, rather, going to rely on to get those, like, last six to nine exactly. outs? McCullers, they got uh, – no, I mean, no, like, no, no, I'm not saying I'm not saying those are the guys that are going to kill it. I'm saying, like, that's – like Well, they, like, Ken Giles has been they, wishy-washy. Will Harris has been bad this postseason. Mm-hmm. There's no – there's there's no stability in that bullpen. There's not even any semblance of stability. And while that offense – and I love – I love Jose Altuve as much as the next guy. I really do. I'm a huge fan of him. I'm, I'm very worried. I think this Dodgers team is well-rested. They're confident. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They they know they're the better team to an extent. They, they can back that pitching with any good amount of bats. And as we've already seen, Justin Turner had a two-run two home run. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's Keuchel's pitching tonight. Yeah, he had a two-run home run off yeah. Keuchel. The Dodgers are currently up 3-1. And I think this is a semblance of, like, of what the series could look like because, with close games and well, think about it. If Keuchel's not even helping you out right now, I have a Keuchel jersey, so it's kind of heartbreaking right now to see this. But like, um, if Keuchel can't even help you out right now, like, what's to say your bullpen's well, going to help? You know the, what I mean? We were, we the Rashers lean on Verlander and Keuchel to get them through these two games, you know. But when it comes to your bullpen and Keuchel's already giving up, like, I think he gave up a home run, a solo home run in the first inning already. I don't know. I just don't. I just don't trust this well, Astros team. P- part of, but no, there's between the Yankees and the Dodgers in terms of how the Astros are going to pitch them. Is that the Yankees are a terrible team when it comes to hitting, hitting curveballs, and that is where Keuchel and a guy like Lance McCullers Jr. make their money is on having really, really disgusting curveballs, and they do. And McCullers still struggled against the Yankees. And- exactly against the team like the Dodgers, they're much more d- a team that is much more disciplined at the plate, and a team that is uh, general. I think full of more consistent hitters than the Yankees who can hit curveballs better. Keuchel's going <laughs> to struggle more, and so will McCullers. It's really going to be up to Verlander to bring home some wins for this team. Yeah. You know? I <laughs> totally think L.A. in seven games, and it's all going to be home field advantage. You saw in 
the ALCS with the Yankees and the Astros. The Astros were on fire when they're home. The Yankees, same thing, on fire at home. They went up 3-2 in the series. Home field advantage is a huge, huge thing. Like, if you don't have – having that home field advantage and having more than your opponent definitely helps you out in the long run. And granted, too, Houston, they have Justin Verlander. Who else do they have? Yeah, I mean, maybe I like mean, a, a, week, a, week like, a, a week ago I could tell you Dallas Keuchel, but I don't know what to tell you at this point. It, After, they, you know, what his performance against the Yankees and now his performance tonight, yeah. it's just hard to support mm-hmm. my guy. Like, man, yeah. <laughs> maybe I should have gotten a Verlander jersey instead. <laughs> yeah, that's what, that's what what I'm saying is, is you they Houston has Verlander and granted Altuve and Correa. They have all those guys. Great. But if the pitching doesn't – if you only have one solid pitcher and everybody else is just eh – that's not going to win you a World Series against the Dodgers. And if Yankee Stadium was loud for those three games that they were home and took the lead 3-2, to two, I'm as sure as hell Dodger Stadium is going to be just as loud. And I'm as, they have the advantage, I'm assuming. They, they have four games. Okay. They have the advantage. Dodgers all the way. I got to say, Bregman hitting a home run off of Kershaw is pretty cool. That's something. <laughs> that's definitely something you could put on the stat sheet and just be happy about right now. And um, I think Bregman's like the fourth player to do so ever in like the world. Uh, I don't. I I got to. I got re- to recheck that stat when he hit it. But um, yeah, I just don't see Houston. I just don't see the firepower with Houston right now. And I didn't. Ex- I didn't like how they struggled to beat pretty. Guess, as much as all of you guys yeah. are down on Houston, you all you all are saying this is going because, seven games. Because, so yeah. uh, that's my only point. Is yeah. no matter what, this is going to be a close series. This, this is, is going to come down to game seven. No, no, yeah. So and in a game seven, it's a 50-50 shot. And I am certainly not ruling out this Houston Astros team I'm as much rolling, as they yeah. did struggle out uh, mm-hmm. against the Yankees. These are all going to be close games. It's a close game right now. It's three to one at the end of the seventh. These are all going to be games like that, and eventually. I think the Houston Astros are going to win, but I think this is going to be a very well-played and exciting World Series. I don't know if you can even call me a fan because I'm pretty sure I was caught on air saying that I thought that the uh, I thought that the Yankees were going to take the series uh, against the Astros. I wish. Um, <laughs> I don't, but um, I, 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 I didn't even want to watch the last game just because I – but, like, they've constantly been proving me wrong, and I hope they prove me wrong again, obviously. All right, we're going to try and find a topic that I agree with you guys on. We're going to go to the NBA for that. Where the season has started, pretty much every team has played somewhere between three and four games. The Warriors are still the obvious favorite, at least I think, and hope everybody agrees with that. (laughs) So, who is the biggest threat to the Golden State Warriors? Jesse, we'll start with you. Um, I got to say, it's tough for me just because of how strong the Warriors are. I mean, I... I guess it's I – mean, I'm going to go with the Rockets right now. I mean, Harden's having a really good season to start off right now, and this is with Chris Paul is kind of hurt right now. It's a little too early for me to decide yet just because there have been injuries all over the league, and the teams that I initially thought were going to be the biggest threats to the Warriors are not anymore. And also teams that I thought were going to be threats to the Warriors are necess- not, not necessarily performing as well anymore. So why not support my home uh, – not my home team. Gee, I wish I was born in Houston. But – um. Why not support the team that I always root for and just go with the Rockets? Uh, yeah, my Spurs will be in the Western Conference Finals, as always, yeah. giving mm-hmm. the Warriors a run for the money like they should have last year before Kawhi Leonard's injury. There, There's no doubt in my mind. Kawhi's hurt right now, but he'll be back soon. And really with the Spurs, as always, it's just talk to me in April. And along with that, um, if you see the how LaMarcus Aldridge has played through the first three games for that team, 
averaging like 25 points, playing the way they pay, they're paying him to play. If he can do that once Kawhi's back, this is a, this is hmm. the team they've been looking to have for the past two seasons, and they'll finally finally have it. I'll just say the Spurs or the Celtics, whichever floats my boat. <laughs> By the way, just a quick side note: our lovely producer Kendall here watching basketball right now on her <laughs> laptop as we record this podcast while she quote unquote produces. <laughs> The clear and obvious threat to the Warriors, and by the way, Matt, I'm glad you said the Spurs because we've had this conversation, (laughs) meaning Sam and I with other guests, and like I've had it off air as well. Very few people mention the Spurs, but it's clearly and obviously the Spurs. And fortunately, the Boston Celtics aren't there anymore because of that injury to Gordon Hayward. The Spurs are just that quiet kid in the back of the classroom who's getting hundreds Mm -hmm. on every test and no Mm -hmm. one has any idea. And let's go to the Rockets, which you brought up, Jesse. Mm Mm-hmm. Shocking. A 32-year-old ball-hogging point guard in Chris Paul's already hurt. Like, yeah. who could have seen that coming? You're calling a guy who averages 10 assists for his career a ball hog? Yes, that's exactly what I'm calling him. Uh, anybody can get... If you try, you can get 10 assists in a game if you just go over and check the stat sheet every five minutes and just keep on passing it. Anyway, that's a different conversation. I do like the Rockets to some degree. I like... Eric Gordon off the bench. P.J. Tucker's a very underrated player for them, but I don't buy in on them. I don't buy in in on the Oklahoma City Thunder, who would be a good team if you had three balls. It would be a nice team. It's a nice team on NBA 2K. It's not a nice team in reality. And the Cleveland Cavaliers got older and more injury-prone, and shocking, Derrick Rose is already injured, and Dwayne Wade is already going to the bench. Who could have seen that coming? It is the San Antonio Spurs. Not only is LaMarcus Aldridge a huge piece, because if he can continue this performance, they're a completely different team. Rudy Gay is also an underrated offseason addition. He's come in right away, made a huge impact offensively, yes, but defensively, this is a guy who can guard all five positions and allows them to play small ball, which against the Warriors will have success. Now, with that said, the Golden State Warriors are laughing from the hilltops. Nobody in the NBA is going to beat them, even if Kevin Durant or Steph Curry blows at a knee. They're still going to win the NBA Finals. Heck, I think Steph Curry and Draymond Green could both go down, and they still win the NBA Finals. That's how much better they are than everybody else, and it's really not even close. That's a bold statement. Do you remember Western Conference Finals Game 1? Because I do. I was at Yankee Stadium with my parents watching Derek Jeter get his number retired. But what happened that day? The Spurs. Yes, they were up 21. Up, and, yes. Where Spurs were up close to 30 at halftime, and then Kawhi Leonard gets hurt. Think about how that series would have turned out. And that was with a full Warriors team. You're saying one of those guys goes down, they still beat the Spurs in a, in a seven game series? I, I, I think they do, yes. You're wrong. Okay, that's fine. We'll let this play out because I don't don't, don't think the Golden State Warriors have had pretty darn good health. I think eventually that's going to come to an end. And I think eventually we'll see the answer to that question. But I also don't trust the San Antonio Spurs to stay healthy either. Did you see Kawhi Leonard trying to walk up those plane stairs? (laughs) That looked like my grandfather trying to walk in the team plane. Like his injury history now is a major concern. It's not one or two. You now have a track record here. So if we're going to talk about injuries, let's not act like San Antonio is guaranteed to be healthy either. I think it's the most interesting series. I think the West Finals is going to really be the NBA Finals because I don't think the Cavs have a shot. So you're right. Do you want to argue the San Antonio Spurs? I did myself. I think they're the biggest threat. I just don't see them doing it at the end of the day. I actually, to be honest with you, I love that comparison where you say the Spurs are the kids in the back. I remember forgets about because I did forget about them. And I totally would have supported them. My brother's a big Spurs fan. I have a Spurs championship hat in my room because he forgot to take it. So... Um, I love that team. I think, like you said, they're... Can I just say quickly that I'm fascinated by the sports dynamic within the Chen family? My brother is all <laughs> over the place, but I'm all Houston. My dad's... I can call my dad a front runner, but, like, yeah. My brother's a big Spurs fan. He always gives me... Um, 
anything Spurs, anything Spurs, but like I, 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 I honestly did forget about them, and honestly, I, I would love to change my answer to that if that was possible. Again, I only said Rockets just because, um, like I'm all Houston. So like Jesse, it's okay. I accept apologies in the form of iTunes gift cards and Starbucks frappuccinos. Oh, how much do you want? We're gonna stick with the NBA and go to Giannis Antetokounmpo, who through four games is averaging thirty-six point eight points, five point three assists, ten point eight rebounds, and two point three steals. He leads his team in minutes, scoring, rebounds, assists, and steals. And also, very recently. Vegas now has Giannis Antetokounmpo as the clear-cut MVP favorite with 5-2 to two odds. Matt, we'll start with you. Is Giannis the next face of the league? No. Giannis is in an interesting time in NBA history where I don't... He, he has as good a shot of, as anybody at this point. But with all of the other talented superstars in the NBA, the timing just isn't right. It's LeBron's league right now. We all know that. It's been LeBron's league. And it will be for the next few years. It's I don't care if he doesn't win any more championships. It's his league. By the time he gives it up, Kevin Durant might get a year or two. It could be. It could at that point. It could be. It could be Giannis's. The, the numbers are in his favor, in my opinion. That it'll be his as opposed to someone like Kevin Durant or Carl Anthony Towns or Anthony Davis or James Harden or Steph Curry. There are too many other big names with bi- in bigger markets from with bigger fan bases to take that spot from him. I gotta agree. Like I, I, I don't know too much basketball, um, but my conversation on the way here with some of my more avid basketball fans, we all kind of agreed. It's just the timing's a little off. I, I don't think it'll, it. He has a chance. I, th- it, it. There is a chance that it could be his league, and I'm not discrediting anything he's done. <laughs> like let's get that straight. I'm not saying he's bad or anything like that, but I can. I could see it all like with Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, James Harden, all those players. I can kind of see it more becoming their league rather than his league. I can't even pronounce his name right now. Giannis Antetokounmpo. Get learn learn how to pronounce it because he's going to be the next face of the league after LeBron is done with his reign. Last night he had 32, 14 and six, and it's like okay, yeah, just another Giannis night. Like you know a guy is good when he's starting to do that, and people are just like yeah, okay. And I love people pretending that they saw this coming. Like oh yeah, we knew he was going to be the MVP clear cut favorite. No writer I saw even had him in the top five for MVP odds heading into the season. So people didn't know this was coming. Giannis Antetokounmpo has bursted onto the scene. He's bursted onto the scene in a big way, in a way that American sports fans like. He has the good story, which is important when we talk about faces of the league. Just a couple years ago, he was a street vendor trying to make ends meet for his parents. Now... He's already one of the best players in the league and has a real legitimate shot at the MVP, and he doesn't have a jump shot. And the fact is he doesn't need a jump shot because he's figured out if he can go to the hoop, or whenever he wants to go to the hoop, nobody's going to stop him, including LeBron James and some of the other best defenders in the league. Learn the name Giannis Ozugo Antetokounmpo. I tried it too many times. He's the next face of the NBA. See, personally, I think... He, I really don't think he's going to be the next face of it because, honestly, to me, how you're describing him, one, how many weeks of basketball have we gone through? One. It's way too early. We also have 82 games from last season. But still, I still think it's way too early, even from last season. How many games did he play last year? Like, it was, Last year was really his first think, all-star season. Yeah. I think, going forward, he's guaranteed to be one of the faces of the NBA. Yeah, I can see Kind that. of in the way that, like, if you talk about the face of the NBA right now, it's LeBron, KD, Steph Curry, James Harden. Like, those are the faces of the NBA. 
going forward, that's where Giannis will be. That's an absolute guarantee. But the face. But that's, who, can I ask you, who's the face of the league right now? I said it already, LeBron James. Is it, though? Absolutely. Is it uh, among a younger audience? Yeah. Yeah. I'd say I'm not so more sure about that. I think there's multiple faces of the league. I think if you go to the West Coast, you have a completely different face than the East Coast. As 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 our as our producer is now whispering, the only person in this room from the West Coast, it's LeBron's league. However, sure, I mean I'm not trying to take away anything from the mark that Steph Curry's or Kevin Durant have left on the NBA because they're vast. But as long as LeBron is the biggest athlete with the biggest endorsements from the biggest companies, and also by the way, the president of the NBA Players Association which is not something that maybe most basketball fans know about. But as long as he's the guy who is working for the NBA to treat his players as best as humanly possible, yes, this guy this guy runs the NBA in ways that most people don't even understand. 100%, and he will for the next couple of years as well. It's just it's going to be interesting to see what happens after that. If we're being honest, here's the problem with Giannis Antetokounmpo. It's not politi- po- politically correct at all to say this, but it's just a fact. We have trouble making guys who do not speak English very well the face of a league. Like, you look historically at Dominican players who have done well or players that come from other areas that don't speak good English, David Ortiz is an outlier. Other than that, there's just not a whole lot of history here. And it's a real and unfortunate thing, but it's reality. So I think his personality has to develop in order for him to truly be the face of the league because there's no boring guys. Kevin Durant isn't boring, though he's... Kevin, kind of, well, Ke- Kevin Durant's not boring, but Kevin Durant's uh, Steph Curry all over isn't boring. LeBron Quote James isn't that. boring. So that's what he needs to develop if he truly can be the face of the star. And also, being from Wisconsin, he's in Milwaukee. That's a problem. That's part of what I was saying before: is there are going to be players from bigger markets. However, I'm assuming you follow him on Twitter. Giannis Antetokounmpo has a great Twitter, and honestly. <laughs> For whatever he may lack in liter- in on camera personality, he he can make up for in a Joel Embiid way. Yeah. His social I was media team just about to bring up Embiid. Embiid's Twitter account is something else too. Thank you to our guests for a great discussion on today's episode. And if you want to hear more, catch us every Thursday for new episodes, and make sure to follow us on SoundCloud to never miss a new episode. I'm Samantha Cavalli. I'm Nick Friend. And you've been listening to How I See Sports.